0: Thank you, James, for beautiful worship and Simon for leading the service. It's good to be with you. Um, This morning, um, in your series on women in the Bible, we can have the PowerPoint up, please. um, We have come this week, as you can see, to Deborah, who was one of the judges. Mentioned the book of Judges, one of the Judges of Israel in the sixth book of the Old Testament. Um, I was talking to John Marshall yesterday and uh, um, I don't know whether he was faintly amused but two men talking about two ladies. Next week he is talking, I understand, about Lydia, another wonderful woman in the New Testament. Now, because... Uh, Obviously, she was a woman. Uh, Some preachers have given great emphasis to this, rather than to the fact that regardless of her gender, God used her in the way he did. And that is the emphasis that I'm going to give today. Uh, Of course, it would be true to say that God used many women throughout history, and uh, especially in the absence of a willing man. But what really matters, as far as God is concerned, is not our gender, not our age, more about that later, but our willingness to be used by the Lord. And that's what we see in the story of Deborah. Uh, There is no doubt about it that in the Bible... um, God does emancipate the role of women. Jesus did when he was on earth. And that's good. But when it comes to the central question as to why God chooses us, the prime thing for both men and women is our obedience to him. So, before I begin to apply this principle, I want us to have a very brief look at the life of Deborah in Israel's history. She was, as I've mentioned, one of the judges who came to help them when they were faced with enemies when they'd settled in the promised land of Cana. Most of Israel's defeats were caused by their disobedience to the commands of God, as of course is the case with us. Uh, So these judges came and, They gave the nation help in its distress and unrest. And Deborah is one of these judges. Israel had followed an endless cycle of idolatry. The word cycle there means an interval of time which is repeated or a sequence of events that reoccur. And when it comes to failures in our life, and I speak to myself as much as to you, Um, most of us go through the same thing over and over again until we learn to obey the Lord. And the key to breaking that cycle is to understand it and that's what Israel failed to do. So, um, Judges 4 and verse 3 says, He cruelly oppresses them for 20 years. Then they cried out to the Lord for help and along comes this wonderful woman, Deborah. Deborah had her office, if I put this in modern terms, um, by a palm tree. I thought that's lovely. Um, rather than looking at buildings in a stuffy office, here she is outside by a palm tree, and she is settling the disputes between the people. But she quickly that not only were there problems between the people, but there was problems with their enemies, Hazar, headed up by his commander, Sisera. And she had to deal with that. Um, And so she sent a message to Barak, who was one of Israel's military commanders. And she said, you need to deal with one of our enemies. And this man, Barak, had 10,000 troops to attack the enemy. So when Deborah said to him, go and attack him, he he, he declined to do so. He said, not likely. He said, it might seem a vast number to you, 10,000 foot soldiers, but he said, Sisera has 900 chariots of iron plus a huge infantry. Not likely, he said, I'm not doing that. So, Barak would only agree to go if Deborah accompanied him. Now, some people have suggested that that showed a lack of faith and courage on his part, but he was quite true. He must have thought to himself, if Deborah really believes that the Lord will give us victory, then she'll not be afraid to come with me when I go into battle. So, Deborah's response to this, I found it very, very interesting. It it reflected how women were viewed in that age. She said, I will go with you, Barak, but because of the way you're going about this, the honour will not be yours, but the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. And deliverance did come to Israel, and later we'll look at Judges' five where in a great song of victory, Deborah gives thanks to the Lord. For not what she's done, but for what he's done. So that briefly stated is the history. But now we need to draw some modern day lessons from that into the twenty first century. And thinking about it, the first thing that occurred today, uh, that about with the National League. Israel was in a mess. Does that sound familiar? Politically? At the moment? The enemies were about to attack The Their only hope of deliverance was from God. So they cried out to the Lord for help. There are two things that uh, concern us there. And if I can have one of your brochures, in a sense I am preaching to the converted today because I am pleased to see that you're asked to pray for Brexit on your bulletin. But let me tell you, I go to some churches that never ever pray for our leaders. So first of all, I challenge you, I ask the question, are you as a Christian in your private prayers praying for the nation? Do we do so on a regular basis? And the second challenge as I see it is, would to God that political leaders today would realise their need for divine help in times of trouble? Without making any... Of course, to read is a Christian, but I thought George, VI, at the end of the Second World War, how he ca- called for a national day of prayer, and the Bible commands us to pray for our leaders. And in two Timothy, in one Timothy rather, chapter two, we're told why we should pray for our leaders, that we may have peaceful and quiet lives. But often, as I say in our churches, we forget to do this. So, the first application of this history that I see is that we should pray for our nation, pray for our leaders, God will raise up good leaders like Deborah. Then, the second thing I want us to think about is the person that God chose to use. Uh, why do you think God chose Deborah? It certainly wasn't because she was No, the prime reason he chose her was that she was probably the only person listening to the Lord at that time. Now, may I surprise you to know that the Lord is wanting to speak to us all the time. The problem is we're sometimes not listening. So, she serves as such a great example of someone who had a servant heart. In that day, the focus was on physical strength, and women in many ways were looked upon as being the uh, second class citizens and certainly weaker physically. But that did not persuade this woman, Deborah, from leading a, 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 an army into war. She saw it as an emergency. An emergency measure, I would say. It wasn't her preference. I think the passage makes that clear but she rose to the need because there was no one else. Now Christian history provides us with some very wonderful examples of men and women who God chose to use despite their gender, despite their weaknesses, despite what they saw as their inadequacies because they trusted him completely. Now as an older person and I've I've got a birthday next week and I'm, (laughs) they're talking so I'm attempting to forget them now. But as an older person, I am glad that God can still use older people, as indeed he can use younger people. I read something the other day that really challenged me, but encouraged me as well. I read about a Japanese mountain climber whose name I will not attempt to pronounce who reached the summit of the Mount of Everest at the age of 70. George Brunstad also swam the English Channel at the age of 70. I would do 100 yards, in metres, and I would be exhausted. A naval officer called Grace Hopper became the first female rear admiral of the US Navy, when she was 79. And Margaret Haggerty, this blows me away, completed her quest to run the marathon on all seven continents when she was, wait for it, 84. So, it doesn't matter what your age is, God can use you. The false belief that God can't use us can affect us in many different ways. It's not just an age thing. You might say, well... My circumstances aren't right. My abilities are not capable of doing that. But let me tell you, whatever your circumstances, God can still use you. And the third lesson in Deborah's life that I see in this story is the courage to face challenges. Now, all of us have challenges in life. But if we focus on those or we focus on what others think about us, or focus on our fears, we're going to achieve very, very little. But the moment we start believing that God is with us, we step forward in faith, we're confident that if God's asked us to do something, He will enable us. Then to quote Philippians 4 verse 13, we will do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let me ask you this morning, what battles are you currently facing in your life? Deborah had a battle to fight against Sisera and his army. And at other times, the Israelites had battles to face with the Hittites, the Amorites, and five other people who were in that land of Canaan. And we have battles to face. As I was praying about the service this morning, I really sensed that at this point God would speak to someone powerfully. Joyce Meyer said, Our battles could well be fearites, diseaseites, povertyites, bad marriageites, stressites, bad neighbourites, insecurityites or rejection eyes. But listen, for all those things, just as Deborah needed the help of God and the faith to move forward, when he commanded her to do so, we need to take that same step. And in the battles we face, God will give us the courage to move forward. Another lesson I see in the life of Deborah is than reputation. The Scriptures make it clear that, let me be absolutely clear about this, that Deborah did have a good reputation. A reputation for sorting out disputes by that palm tree. The Bible also tells us that, that she was the wife of Lepidoth. So presumably she was the mother of a number of children. their disputes decided. But But more important than her reputation was her character. As a
1: prophetess,
0: she heard from the Lord. She spoke those messages truthfully into people's hearts. And her wisdom and insight was her reputation. But people could also see she'd got integrity. I don't think that character and reputation should ever be confused. A person's reputation is what people think he or she is. Their character is what God knows they are. And living as we do in a, a very um, image conscious society, uh, great emphasis is placed on how we appear in public. So businessmen are told to wear the suits, the right kind of suit, to wear the, if they They wear the right kind of tie. You get my gist. They've got to be dressed correctly. Politicians, you don't need me to tell you this, they're always looking at polls to see how popular they are. And sometimes they're a bit dishonest and do things that they don't particularly believe in. And teenagers, ever conscious of peer pressure and acceptance, insist on the right kind of gear in order to appear cool. That's their reputation. That's what really matters, so they think. And what a person is in private, what he or she is in the eyes of the Lord, their character is not given much attention to. In fact, people say, "Huh, doesn't matter what they do in private, that's their own business. But you don't need me to tell you that's not how Jesus sees it. God used Deborah because of what, not because of what people thought of her, but because of what he thought of her. And let me tell you, it is absolutely the same today. That's a biblical principle. Character is more important than reputation. Another lesson I see in this is the need for delegation. The Lord d- directed Deborah to enlist the help of Barak who gathered 10,000 foot soldiers and Deborah told Barak how to attack, when to attack, where to attack and she assured him that though Sisera had a bigger army she was to tell Barak to make his way to the Kishong River where the chariots would not have such an advantage in the mud. So here was a leader who chose to delegate things to a man. Some have suggested that this was because in her society in which she lived, she felt it was inappropriate to take the lead. But the lesson, I think, for us is this. We need to delegate. Now, maybe the Lord is asking you to do something in the church, and I hope when you get a new pastor, you don't think he's paid to do that, because the church is what... All of us have a role to play within the church, not necessarily as a leader, as an elder, but maybe as a helper, a supporter, or an encourager. As a very young pastor, I had to learn that lesson the hard way. Perhaps because of my age, and I was—I came out of Bible college at 22 and was ordained at 24. I, 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 I looked as I do. Incredibly young. Um, I, 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 I had insecurities. I know that on reflection. But then with maturity, I realised I did knew, need others. Uh, what did it matter if they could do things better than I could? They weren't in any way a challenge to my leadership any more than Deborah using Barak was a, 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 a delegation it would help One little problem with De- Deborah delegating the fighting to Barak is that he wasn't at all sure he in the battle. So he wanted Deborah to come with him and, and another suggestion is he did that because he saw her as some kind of good luck charm. She did agree to go with him and as well as this giving him the necessary courage she was also accepting the fact that she needed help. Let me tell you we all need the help of us. They can come up with ideas we haven't thought of. They can give us encouragement when we feel low. But if through fear of people outshining us or pride in our position we fail to delegate then God's work will inevitably suffer. suffer. Notice too there's got to be problems in Judges four sixteen, Deborah said to Barak, Go this day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. And Judges five twenty one tells us the river Kishon at that time swept them all away. There could have been a flash flood, but the Lord knew the right day. The Lord had the right time. Go. Today you must go. Timing is very important to us, especially for Christian leaders. It may be perfectly right for us to do something or say something or act in a certain way, but sometimes we need to know when to act and when to hold back. Acting at the wrong time can be counterproductive. And there's a passage, it's a well-known passage in the Old Testament that deals with timing. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. When I was
1: I was asked to read the Bible
0: and it was from Ecclesiastes and I couldn't get my tongue around that one and I said the reading this morning is taken from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes has something to say about timing. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And then verse 7 says a time to tear down a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. So, timing is important. So, there's prayer, there's leadership, there's courage, there's character, there's delegation, and there's timing. And one final thing that I see in the history of death is the importance of God the glory. Uh, When you get home, if you have the time, read Judges chapter 5. It's been called the Song of Deborah. Barak had achieved a great victory. The Israelites were delivered. But then acknowledging that all this was not because of their prowess, not because of their courage, not because they were superior soldiers. It was because the Lord was with them. Deborah sings this song to the Lord. And to quote the opening frame, she says, When the princes of Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. And if you read through that song, you'll see it deals with Israel's history. It talks about how God spoke to them through Moses in Mount Sinai, giving them the Ten Commandments. It talks about how God was with them in their nearly 40 years through the wilderness. Sometimes uh, they were punished for their disobedience. But sometimes God provided them with manna and quail from heaven. He was with them. Even the Bible says their shoes never wore out. So, when it came to Deborah and defeating Hazar's army headed up by Sisera, she... Sisera was a particular, uh, Barak was a particularly good soldier, though I'm sure he was. She knew it was because God was with them. Nothing more, nothing less. And this should be our acknowledgement, too. Now let me tell you, you uh, in the work of the Lord, I think there is nothing, it's a, a form of spiritual pride. There's nothing more detestable in church work when people seek to praise themselves rather than the Lord. Paul sets the record straight in this verse I came across in one version. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from the Lord. Let's remind ourselves again and again that we are what we are by the strength and grace of God. So those are the lessons as I see it that we can learn from the life of Deborah. But one closing thought. On a plaque, some of you have been there, as you enter the Yad Hassan Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem are these words. Has the likes of this happened in your generation or in the days of your father's? Tell your children about it and let their children tell theirs and their children the next generation. I read a book, one of those books, couldn't put down The Tattoo of Auschwitz, finished last night and it to tears. And what that in that museum is effectively saying is that if we fail to remember our past, we are in danger of repeating it. So just as we could learn from the Holocaust, and indeed what we've remembered a week ago, a hundred years after the ending of the First World War, can you believe it, claimed to be the war that would end all wars. So we can learn spiritually from Israel's past. Deborah's vision of the world was not shaped by the political situation of the day but by her relationship with God and though women in the ancient world didn't usually become political leaders she stepped in the gap she trusted the Lord she became a female prophetess who heard God implicitly and believed in Him and when I thought about that I thought we need leaders like that today We need to do that individually in our lives. To never ever compromise with sin and to always put God first and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So would you please join me now as I pray. Let's pray now as a church corporately but let's also pray at home privately that men and women will be raised up to lead us in this way. We thank God for our local MP who is a Christian. We thank God for many others who stand up for righteousness and truth. We pray for the leaders of, of our churches that you will give them the courage. In to stand up for truth, and to preach the gospel fearlessly. Lord, we pray that you'll raise up this kind of army so that there might be victory in the name of Jesus. We ask this for your glory and for your praise. Amen.